Hello and welcome to the Three Worlds Podcast, Series 2, Episode 9. I think I ought to call this one something along the lines of When Bad Things Happen to Good People. Because I thought I would talk about the fact that shamanism isn't a stroll in the park sometimes. It's not a picnic under the trees. It's not sitting with your feet up cosy by the fire with a glass of wine and a pizza. I like pizza. <laughs> shamanism can be rough, tough, dangerous to know. Spirits can be badass. And the shamanic journey can be really scary. So I wanted to talk about some of the scary bits about ceremony and some of the scary things about shamanism. I thought I'd say a few things that have happened to me over the years and kind of what to do when things don't go quite the way you hope they will. I remember many, 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 many years ago, right at the beginning when I first started to work doing medicine wheel and shamanism and all this malarkey, I was listening to Sunbear talking. This was in the 1980s. And uh, Sunbear was saying um, about somebody that phoned him up one night and uh, he, he picked up the phone and there was, there was somebody on the other end of the phone kind of squawking down the phone at him and, and saying, Sunbear, 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 it, it's just crazy in here. I've got, I've got things banging around in the house. I've got books moving off the bookcase. I've got all sorts of stuff, all sorts of stuff. There's so many spirits in here and it's, oh, I'm getting really freaked and I'm really scared. And Sunbear sort of said, well, have you asked them what they wanted? And that's kind of the bottom line. Not necessarily asking the spirits what they want, but keeping calm. So I'm going to tell you a few things that have happened to me. A few stories. And these, are, I swear, are all true. And, um, and then we'll talk a bit about what to do with stuff when it happens. So the first thing I'm going to tell you about is a sweat lodge that I ran in the early 1990s. It was a solstice sweat lodge and somebody had some land and they phoned myself and my partner Faith up and uh, asked if we would come and run a sweat lodge. At that time, we were both regularly running sweat lodges and we would do mixed sweats, you know, with men and women in and uh, Faith and I would tend to do a round each. Now, I guess I need to say maybe a little bit about what sweat lodges are because perhaps some people won't know. So let me just first of all talk about what a sweat lodge is. A sweat lodge is a prayer sauna. It's a very tightly run ceremony. It's done in a kind of wooden framed, stick framed dome and in the centre of the dome, there is a hole in the ground. And into that hole in the ground, hot rocks, which are heated in a fire, are placed. The whole of the dome is covered by blankets and tarpaulins and covers so that it is a dark hut, in effect. And people go in in a sacred manner, acknowledging that they do it for all their relations, for all beings, and they do it in a very prescribed way, and there's lots and lots of ceremony. And then hot rocks are brought in, and prayers are said, 
and it goes round. Everybody in the lodge says a prayer. There's different forms for the ceremony, but but this is a general kind of quick snapshot. A prayer round is said and everybody makes their prayers and introduces themselves to spirits. And then the kind of the flaps are opened over the doorway and more hot rocks are brought in. And then it's all closed down and water is put onto those rocks and more prayers are said and etc, etc. And this happens four times, four times, four rounds. And each time new hot rocks are brought in and different focused prayers um, the way I was taught to do it is that the first round of prayers is kind of introducing yourself to spirit. The second round of prayers is prayers for yourself. The third round of prayers is prayers for other people and political situations, the leaders of your country, etc. And the fourth round is a thanksgiving round. And there are different ways of doing it. There's no one ceremony, but it's always done in a very tight and very controlled way. And it's not a free for all. It's not a new age sauna. It is a very traditional and very... Um, sober ceremony and it should be done properly and also I'm going to say here and now it should never ever 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 be charged for if somebody is trying to charge you for going to a sweat lodge walk away from it because it should never be charged for that is not the tradition at all even if you as the lodge leader are out of pocket because you've put it on that's your giveaway for leading the lodge it's fine to ask for donations for wood and all that kind of stuff, but it is not okay to charge for a sweat lodge. Anyway, that's a separate kind of subject. Um, and maybe we need to do a podcast about ethics and charging and all that lot. But Faith and I got asked to do this sweat lodge, which was a solstice sweat lodge in the summer. Somebody had a piece of land. They knew that we did sweat lodges together and the phone rang and I picked it up and the person on the other end of the phone said, we'd like you to come and do a sweat lodge. Um, and so I, I checked out with, with Faith and um, Faith is terrifically good at following her gut. And she kind of felt for a moment and she said, no, I'm not doing it. Um, and we happened to have a friend staying with us at that time who was also an experienced sweat lodge person. And, uh, and, and so I looked at her and she said, well, yeah, okay, I'll do it. So my friend who was called Michelle and myself did the sweat lodge and Faith decided it was not for her and she wasn't going to be involved. So Michelle and I went to this place, which was about 30 miles drive and everything was actually there. I can't remember if maybe somebody had pulled out or something. I don't remember the, the complete backstory. But anyway, everything was there. Uh, there was firewood there. There were stones there. Um, and a few people were going to gather. I seem to remember there were eight people. So it wasn't a hugely big sweat lodge. Sometimes you get a lot more people than that. And I asked a friend of mine who was a very experienced fire person a uh, fire person is someone who handles the hot rocks and looks after the fire. And this guy was as solid as a rock. And I really knew that he knew his business. He was a regular fire tender at sweat lodges. 
And I knew I could rely on him because you you really want somebody that is solid to manage the fire while everybody else is in the sweat lodge doing the ceremony. Firekeeper is kind of a really big responsibility. It's a big job. And you need someone who's really solid for that because they're kind of holding the energy in a way. It's quite a ceremonial role in, 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 in a way, just as it is leading the lodge and leading the prayers. The firekeeper is an integral part of it. So... Michelle and I get there, we prepare the lodge, we put the fire ready with the stones and the logs and we ceremonially light the fire and we instruct everybody that's gathered there about the form of the ceremony. I used to run, I haven't run a sweat lodge for a long time, but I used to run them really strictly, really tightly. There's various rules and laws about sweat lodges, like there's a line from the fire called the spirit line that goes up towards the actual sort of dome of the sweat lodge and you must never step over that spirit line. If you want to get to the other side of the lodge, you have to walk round it clockwise and things like that. Very strict etiquette, very strict protocol with it. Um, and I was taught to run it, you know, in, in that kind of strict traditional way. So that's the way I did it. And Michelle and I decided that we would go off and uh, do uh, some offerings, uh, make some offerings to the spirits and just take a little bit of quiet time as the fire was lit and it was getting dusk, it was getting towards dark time. And we went off and we made tobacco offerings and whatever that we were doing and we talked to the spirits. And when we came back, which I guess was probably in about 20 minutes or so, there was um, a lot of kind of buzz in the people who had been there and they were kind of talking. And, and I went to them and I said, you know, kind of, what's happened because it really felt like something had happened while we were away and they started to tell me this kind of slightly preposterous but all actually agreeing with each other story that while we were away a small ball of fog about three feet across had come and floated up to where sort of by where the fire was Coming up, it was on the side of a hill, so it had come up from beneath them, up the side of the hill, and was floating in the air about maybe three feet above, and it was about three feet across, and they all gathered round it, and they were putting their hands in and out of it, putting their hand in, pulling their hand out, putting their hand in, and this ball of fog was there for quite some time, almost like a complete uh, sort of sphere of fog was the way they described it. And then it kind of dissipated. I didn't see it. Um, I can't for the life of me think why they would have told me that if it hadn't have happened. They were all a bit freaked by it and were kind of talking about it and saying this was such a bizarre experience. Um, and OK, I kind of thought, well, that's interesting. I wonder what that was didn't pay a huge amount of attention to it in a way because I was getting ready to do the ceremony. We were pretty much ready to go in at that point. And, uh, but I thought this is a really interesting experience. I don't know what it is, but kind of, you know, making a mental note of it. Anyway, then we go into the sweat lodge and um, everybody goes in. They have to bend down really low because the sweat lodge door is very low. That's the way it is. And when you go in, you say, for all my relations, or matakuye or yasin, 
And um, that means that you're doing the ceremony for all living beings. It's a way of saying that you're going to suffer for everybody because people do suffer in a sweat lodge. It's hot. Well, it should be hot. However, this lodge was not hot. I called the stonekeeper, whose, whose name was Keith. Keith brought in, uh, I can't remember how many rocks. Generally, I used to take seven in on the first time, and he would bring them in on a pitchfork, and we would welcome them in. We would sort of say the traditional words, which are, oh, hey, stone people, welcome, welcome. And we would bring the, 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 these glowing, glowing grandfather hot rocks. I mean, they're glowing red hot. You know, they, if you've never been in a sweat lodge, it's beautiful. At night there, you've got these glowing rocks um, about the size of a cabbage or something thereabouts. And um, they're brought in on a pitchfork and I use antlers to push them into the hole, which is the, the pit in the, uh, in the middle of the lodge there. And uh, and all of the uh, all of the soil from that hole is taken out of the lodge and placed at the end of the spirit line, just outside the sort of front door of the lodge. And that's called the turtle's head. That's a uh, a sacred altar for the lodge. And people put uh, their sacred objects on there. And uh, if we're having a pipe in the in the lodge, the pipe rests on there until it's needed. And the lodge looks like a turtle from above. And this little circle of soil out of the front is like its head. So that's that's kind of the symbolism there. So anyway, Keith brings in these seven rocks, I think they were, and puts them down into the hole. I put them into the hole with the antlers and we sprinkle sage on them and uh, various other um, sweet smelling herbs. Uh, I quite often use osha root, uh, which is a, a part of the lovage family, I think. And it's got a particularly nice smell when it's on the hot rocks. And we pour the water on and people start to make their prayers. And... Like I say, there's eight of us. I'm sitting to the one side of the door on the inside. Michelle is sitting to the other side of the door. So it's like we're the door guardians, if you like. And we share the lodge between us. So I do a round and sing songs and whatever. And then Michelle does the next one. And I do the one after that. And and then uh, we, uh, we you know, the, the other person does the last round. In fact, thinking about it, I did the last round. So I guess Michelle must have started the lodge. But they do a circle of prayers and it's cold. This lodge is not getting warm. And so at the end of the, the circle of prayers, we open the flaps and call in to or call out to Keith. And Keith comes over with some more hot rocks and we bring a great load of rocks in and we welcome them in. Hey, 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 grandfathers. Hey, stone people. Welcome into the lodge here. Oh, thank you, stone people. And put them into the middle here and we put more sage on and we put more water and there's this sort of pile of glowing rocks now in the middle of the lodge and and the next round starts and it still doesn't get warm it just doesn't get warm and we make the the, the prayers it goes all the way around and this is a cold lodge now i mean this is kind of crazy because it shouldn't be cold it should not be cold at this point i've done many lodges at this time and i know how hot a, a sweat lodge should be and it should be hot with those amount of rocks in there and it's not a big space and it it should be hot but it's not so again we kind of open the flaps at the end of that round and it's now completely dark outside and it's just lit by the fire 
and Keith brings in more hot rocks. So we're getting quite a glowing uh, pile of rocks now in the middle of the sweat lodge. And by now it should be really warm in there, but it's not. And people make their prayers. And because they're cold, people are not dawdling. Uh, they're, they're really kind of starting to get a little bit uncomfortable because it really is not warm in there. And so they're fairly quick with their prayers. Sometimes when it's hot, well, sometimes when it's really hot, people say their prayers real quick. Um, and when it's cold, people say their prayers real quick. But when it's kind of just cozy and not too hot, then sometimes prayers can take a long time. And sometimes people get affected by the heat more than others. And I've been in many sweat lodges where I'm thinking, oh, for God's sake, hurry up, hurry up, because I want the flaps to open because it's I'm too hot and they're kind of comfortable. So everybody is a bit different. But this lodge was cold and people said their prayers. And so we opened the, the, the flaps again for the, the last round. That's the, the third flap opening. And yet more hot rocks are brought in for the fourth round. And when Keith has handed me the last of the hot rocks that's going to come in on uh, on his pitchfork and I'm kind of pushing it into the hole, uh, you know, manoeuvring it with my antlers, he quietly says to me, it's a bit freaky out here. Is it all right if I come in? Because I'm not really feeling very comfortable. Now, Keith was a regular fire person. He was absolutely solid. I asked him to, to do the fire because I know how solid he was. He was really solid. So I was really surprised by the fact that he was feeling freaked by being out there and scared because that just was not him. So I said, sure, come on in. Yeah, if you want to. So he got himself into the lodge. He came in on, on hands and fours, said for all my relations, crawl into the lodge. We closed down the flaps of the lodge and we started the last round, the fourth round of prayers. And I got really kind of a bit feeling that I needed to protect the door and it's absolutely pitch black in there. It's at night. You're covered over. There's no light whatsoever apart from a little bit of dull light from the hot stones. And when you start to pull the water on, they start to cool down. So they, they kind of stop being as bright as they were. So there's basically there's no light in there at all. And um, I got a real creepy feeling up, up my back. I mean, like really creepy spine chilling up my back. And I kind of sat with it and it got worse and worse and worse. And I thought, shit, I've got to do something about this. And I turned round in the sweat lodge and faced out of the door. The door was obviously closed with the flaps. Um, so I turned round 180 degrees and I had my back to the to the hot stones in the middle and I guarded the door. I faced the door as as a sort of door guardian. I didn't know it, but my co-leader who was sitting to my left, the other side of the door, Michelle, did exactly the same because she got exactly the same feelings. And in the darkness, we had both quietly turned round and were guarding the door. And it was cold in there still. It was so cold in there. And it's absolutely dark. And I... I've sent the the kind of the prayer around and people had made their prayers and I was starting to do 
a closing song and I did the closing song and it's really hard to describe this. The only way I can describe it was if you've ever been in a tent in sunlight and somebody walks between the sun and you and a shadow passes over the tent. It was like that in the sweat lodge, except that we were sitting in darkness and then suddenly it was like a shadow of utter darkness went across the lodge. And as that happened, the song that everybody was singing just died. It just petered out in the middle of the song. And this awful kind of utter blackness was there. And so I, I basically I was freaking a bit at this point. And I uh, called the spirits uh, and thanked the spirits rather. And, and then everybody left the lodge and they came out and they said, for all my relations, and they crawled out and they went and kind of warmed themselves by the fire and kind of dried off with towels and all of the stuff that people do. And the way that I was taught to do a sweat lodge is that I'm, I was taught that there would be a fifth round and the fifth round was the spirits. And so I would always invite the spirits and the ancestors to come into the sweat lodge and we would take in yet more hot rocks and they would sweat. They would have a lodge themselves. So that's what I did. We brought the last of the hot rocks from the fire. I put them into the hole in the middle and I stood there holding, uh, uh, I, I've got a big eagle wing fan that I use in, in this sort of circumstance. And I was holding the eagle wing fan um, to the one side of the door, just between the, 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 the dome of the sweat lodge, the turtle's body and the little circle of earth, the turtle's head, the altar. And I called to the ancestors, I called to the spirits and invited them into the lodge and invited them to come and sweat. And as I did, a cold wind blew up the spirit line, over the fire, up past the spirit line, along the spirit line, over the turtle's head and went in. I could feel it going in the door of the sweat lodge and we closed the flaps down and we got ourselves dried and dressed again and left the lodge because that's the way it was done. And the next day we kind of came back and cleared it and things. But in fact, I'm not even sure that we did. I think the person whose land it was said that they would do that. Yeah, I don't remember going back, so we must have left, must have left it for them. On the way back home, which was, like I say, about 30 miles, Michelle and I were just kind of stunned and slightly shaking. And we came back and, and kind of explained the whole story to Faith, who kind of gave us a knowing look. And, uh, and, and yeah, I mean, I'm... For years, for years and years and years, I wasn't able to tell that story without visibly shaking. Um, and I can say it now, and I don't often say it to people. I'm reminded of it because uh, we were actually talking with Michelle about it a couple of days ago and kind of reminiscing the, the whole thing. And um, it was the most awful, awful experience. That's probably the worst and most frightening ceremony that I've ever been in. We could not get away from that place quicker, I tell you, really, really. And so things can go wrong on ceremonies. I don't know what it was. I suspect that the land was very disturbed. Uh, well, I kind of know the land was very disturbed, if I'm honest. 
Um, and uh, it, it was just not happy land. And I think there were a lot of ancestors there that were, were really not very happy. A lot of trouble. Kind of the land was haunted, for want of a better way of putting it. And so um, when we called in the spirits, they came in that form. And also they were around. I mean, that ball of fog, which I wish I had seen, but I didn't. I'm sure that must have been something. But the whole thing was something like out of a horror film. I mean, it was genuinely terrifying. The atmosphere there in that lodge when that blackness went over was just... I've never known anything like it. And and the other thing that was really strange was nobody hung around with their prayers, like I said. And there was only eight people in that lodge. And when we came out, we couldn't believe the amount of time that had gone past because actually three hours had we had been in that lodge for three hours now that's a long time for a sweat lodge even if people are making long prayers and there were lots of people but there weren't they were quick prayers and there were few people and we were in for a long time and I can't explain that because it was crazy it only felt like an hour had gone past so things can happen things can happen and they're not always comfortable well, that story took a lot longer to tell you than I thought it would. It's obviously the spirit of that sweat lodge manifesting in this podcast, making time do strange things. I have other stories that I was going to tell you, and um, I'm not going to be able to tell you all of those now by any stretch of the imagination because we're heading towards the end of this particular podcast. But I can say a few things more, I'm sure. When you're journeying, sometimes you will meet spirits and they will not be comfortable spirits to be around. You will have experiences as you get more and more experienced in your shamanic work that are frightening. You will meet spirits that you have to protect yourself from that should not under any circumstances follow you back. You have to pay attention to your spirits and you have to stay solid. I was on the periphery of a uh, a shaman war once. Um, I was doing some work for somebody and it was in relation with a fight between some Mongolian shamans. Uh, one group of Mongolian shamans were trying to kill another Mongolian shaman by use of magic. And uh, I didn't really know what was going on regarding this. I was actually just doing a healing journey. And suddenly in the healing journey, I was, um, well, I can't really say that I was attacked, but I can say that I was checked out in a very physical way almost. I was suddenly surrounded by spirits that I realised were very, very hostile and they were trying to frighten me and trying to make me come out of the trance. And I knew that they mustn't do that. I knew that if I came out of the trance, it would be dangerous. And also, if I came out of the trance, they would follow me back to where I was in the physical world. And so I had to just stand there like a kind of tree with all of this spirit activity going on around me. And it was in the spirit world. And also I was out of trance enough to hear it in the physical world too. It's like there were bangs and creaks and sounds going all around me in the room. 
again, very frightening. I had to stand there and I had to stand there and I had to stand there. And then eventually, after a few moments, my spirits kind of came and they told me what to do. And we sent them off and sent them packing. And I then put protection all around the place and kind of sealed it, projected purabas around, put a picket fence of, of purabas all around me and did all of the protection work that I do and, and you know, avoided it, came out of that sort of trance in a safe way. But they were testing me. They were really, really trying to freak me. And it was freaky. It was freaky. These things are terrifying sometimes. So I'm not trying to put you off and I'm not trying to scare you about doing shamanic work if you just started doing it, because chances are you're not going to have those sorts of experiences. But if you follow a shamanic path, you will get those sorts of experiences, I think, at some point, because it's like the more you know, the more you are going to be tested by it. And the deeper your work's going to be, and if you start to do deeper and deeper work, you're going to get your feet wet, I guess is a good way of putting it. So maybe we'll come back to this topic because there's a lot. I wanted to talk about what to do with ritual objects that come to you in not very nice ways as well. Um, so there's a whole load of stuff here. And I'm also aware of the whole ethical bit about charging for ceremony and things. Maybe we'll do some of those next time. But I think for now, I'm going to end this podcast. I hope you enjoyed listening to it. I hope you enjoyed the story. I swear everything that I told you in that story is entirely and absolutely true. And um, yeah, if you want to email me, it's nick at sacredhoop.org. If you would like to make a donation to help fund this podcast, I have to pay for the hosting and things on the, the podcast hosting site and all of that. Um, so, you know, it's it's helpful if you send in donations, but of course you don't have to. But if you'd like to send a PayPal donation to donation at sacredhoop.org. The Three Worlds website, which uh, is sort of the home for this podcast, but also is my gallery that sells ritual objects and has lots and lots of examples and photographs and also lots of articles that you can download and read as well. That is threeworlds.co.uk, number threeworlds.co.uk. And Sacred Hoop magazine, if you want to subscribe to that, you can get it at a lower cost special subscription on a hidden link. And that is sacredhoop.org forward slash offer.html Once again, thank you very much for listening. I really hope you've enjoyed it. Feel free to get in touch with me and I'll catch you in the next podcast. Okay, bye-bye.